Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, October 2nd. Wealth, if it comes to you, should be treated as a sacred trust. It is not really yours, even if you have worked hard to acquire it. Karma, again, it will be good karma, only if you use it rightly, has given you riches as a means of helping other people. Use your wealth to make this a better world. Otherwise, riches will only suffocate your finer feelings. If they make you feel superior to others, they are a delusion. Treat all human beings as your equals. Remember, a person may be poor financially, but rich in ways that preclude the possession of money. Appreciate others for what they are. This is a very interesting approach, attitude toward money. Swami grew up in an upper-class family financially. His, His father had a very good job, and they lived comfortably. In you know in in in, a, in nice homes in nice part of town, and Swamiji after he had come to a master and was a monk in a monastery and was just living a very different life, he was just at the dinner table visiting his parents one night, and his mother who was a very spiritual person, Swami just remarked, I just can't imagine having, they were talking about someone who had a lot of money. I can't I just can't imagine having all that money and just spending it on yourself. And his mother said, now that's an interesting point of view. And Swami said later, he just couldn't imagine any other point of view. Like, what would you do with wealth like that? Now, of course, that's a very interesting point of view to most people. Swami Kriyananda wrote uh, in 2004, right after he moved to India when he was 77, 78 years old. Um, he, he was actually, the way it happened is that he had double pneumonia and he was in the hospital. He had a lot of physical troubles as soon as he moved to India. And he was in the hospital. He was just barely conscious and just barely staying in his body. And a doctor came in and started asking Swamiji to help him because he uh, everybody in the hospital knew that it was Swami Kriyananda. They knew who he was and they knew um, his his spiritual reality. India is a very different country than America in this respect because they just have this, even now they have this great respect for spiritual people. So this doctor came in and asked for Swami's help and he explained that he, he said he, you know, he has, he, has, he has a son who's overseas in college and it's very expensive and that sometimes he has to do things that are not quite honorable in order to make sufficient money in order to do what he needs to do. And Swami said he could see in the man's eyes how agonizing this was for him because he was a deeply honorable person and it pained him terribly to have to do dishonorable things even for the sake of educating his son, which is, of course, a primary duty. It it, it probably had to do with ordering extra tests that weren't needed or that sort of thing. That was the feeling Swami got from it. Nothing that actually hurt people, but more that just increased the income a little bit. But Swami's heart just went out to this man, and, it, and even before he came out of the hospital, he started writing a, um, a uh, 
material success course, material success through yogic principles. It's actually it's a magnificent course, and it's it's called I think it's called material success and happiness through yogic principles. It's available freely in India. It's less a little bit harder to find in the U.S., but it's possible to find. If you can't find it, write to Asha Swami and I'll sort of figure out where it is for you. I have a course series on it. There's an audio book. There's lots of choices. That's not the point. Swami Kriyananda, at the age of 36, was, was expelled from the organization, the monastery to which he had given his life for reasons that were had to do with politics, not anything else. So for political reasons, political, I'm using the words lightly, it was interpersonal relationships. It was not bad behavior. But because of interpersonal relationships and because his guru had other plans for him, and that's the actual answer, he's 36 years old. He's been 14 years in a monastery. He went into the monastery when he was 22. He's, he's been a monk. He's had a salary of 25 or $15 a month for the last 14 years. He's suddenly completely alone, living in the spare bedroom of his parents' house. He has been exiled from all the friends that he knew for those 14 years. This is all about the kerfuffle that ended him up in that situation. And then from that, he built a worldwide organization, wrote and published 150 books, 450 pieces of music. His books are now in 50 languages all over the world. It just goes on and on. He did it from nothing. So he writes this material success course about you know, how to make your way in this world with success. And some of the prom, prom, publicity for that, and this is the truth of it, except for the fact that Swami never kept a penny of all the money he earned. So he started and ended as impoverished as he was when he, you know, as, as impoverished as, he, as a monk, a renunciate would be. He had nothing to show for it, except for all this creative accomplishment and having helped hundreds of thousands of people by the end and built nine communities and all of, except for that, but in terms of money, he had nothing. He was very happy to have nothing. He always had nothing. So it was, except for that, it was one of the most astonishing rags to riches stories ever told. But it was exactly for this reason that the money was a means to an end, and that end was to help people. But the means and the end were the same. You know, the means was to help people. So anything that came in was to go out to help people. There was never any intention. It never had a purpose of its own. Its purpose was he was the disciple of a a great master, and that master had a work to do, and he had dedicated himself to accomplishing that goal. And any resource that came to him came to him uh, he felt from God for one purpose. Now he 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 doesn't he didn't live, he didn't live in a way that uh, he was he was hungry and uncomfortable. You know he 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 lived, he lived. Uh, what do I want? He he lived simply, but simple living is actually very interesting because simple is to have what you need, for what you need to accomplish in this world, but not more. So Swamiji lived on th- in in three different countries, and he had to take care of many people when he went there. So he actually had homes that he didn't own, but he had the use of in three different countries. He had recording equipment. He had computers to do his writing. You know, it just, he he had musical instruments. He had what he needed to do what he was given to do. And so money can also be used 
for the benefit of. And he used his money to go on holiday when he needed to do. He used his money to have appropriate clothes so that he could appear appropriately for who he was. You know, he had a car that didn't break down. You know, just, he, you know, he had a few things like that. But it was all for the sake of what could be accomplished through it. And, and the, the secret of success also is to recognize that money is a flow. If you dam one end of the pond, you know, the water will stop flowing and what's in there will get stagnant. But if you make it a river where, where you see it as an energy force, and if you're fortunate enough to generate the energy to have it come into your hands, you keep the energy moving, the energy keeps moving. I have lived for the last 30 years in Silicon Valley and it, I've been part of the team that has helped to make an Ananda community in this area. We have a temple, we have a school. Um, we, we, we've done, together we've done a very nice thing for Master here. You know, it's, we, we do our part and we've done a very nice thing. But one of the reasons we've been able to do it is this is a very materialistic area. I mean, it's become, especially in the last you know, few decades, it's become a, you know, a real address for wealth. Everybody who wants a venture capitalist to sponsor them comes here. You try to get your Silicon Valley venture capitalist to support you. I have a few entrepreneur friends who, I have one in particular who passes through every so often to you know, get some more millions for the project he's doing. God bless him. And it's, he's doing it right, and it's, it's going well. But the point is, but the money here is, is generated through creativity for the most part. And, and even, if it's in, even if you earn it yourself. But when you earn it yourself, especially when you earn it yourself by creative innovation, which is what's been happening in this area, mostly. I mean, corruption is everywhere too, but that's really been the spirit. People understand money as a flow. And as a consequence, even though we have no wealthy people in our congregation, we, we tend not to attract that element particularly. But there's this spirit that money is a flow. And the reason that money is here is because if I have it, I can use it, not that I can just hold it. I can use it, and if I can use it for something constructive, all the better. And, and you see, that's what creates the karma also for it to keep coming. You use money for something that benefits others, and all of a sudden, your little effort to create this amount of money to do this good thing then just spreads out. And all these people's lives are uplifted, and it all comes back to the hours you put in earning that money, which then creates a flow of generosity through you, and suddenly other opportunities come. This is the principle of tithing. Tithe means 10%, and it's historically, um, Jesus endorsed the practice of tithing, but tithing goes back to the Old Testament. Tithing goes all the way back, I think all the way back to Moses. It was a Jewish practice that Jesus simply confirmed. One-tenth of everything that comes to me um, belongs to God. And it's not the same as donating. It's not the same as saying, oh, they need a new building, I'll give them $10,000. That's my money that I want to use in this way. Tithing says 10% of what is given to me is not mine. It, it's the commission I pay to God because I would not have this assignment. I would not have this income. I would not have made this sale, whatever it might be, without God's grace. So you take 10% off and you, you give it without condition to the source of your inspiration, whatever that source may be. And you know, some people who don't have a church, they'll give it to the Sierra Club. 
I mean, if they that, but it, whatever their source of inspiration is, they know that they have to give back in gratitude. And I have countless stories. There, there are countless stories of how people's lives change completely when you start giving that ten percent away. My way of working with it always is as soon as I as I have any control over any money, if it's physical money or if it's a check or whatever it might be, my salary is, 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 a, is an automatic shift. But any extra money that comes in, as soon as possible, I divide 10% off of it. You know, if, if I'm getting money in cash, I'll just keep two envelopes. So I, like, I never even put it in my wallet. It's not mine. Then I have, I have the 90%. And of that 90%, I may still give away more. But that's my money I'm giving away. This was never mine. I can't give it away because it's not mine. I just hand it back. And it sets up in our mind, in your mind, such a, a wonderful flow of energy. just completely changes things. There was a prosperity guru, um, prosperity teacher, I don't like to misuse that word, but a prosperity teacher who said, uh, if when you write the tithe check it doesn't make you a little nervous, he said you need to be tithing more. <laughs> he said it, it needs to be an act of faith every time you do it. I don't, I'm not necessarily even advocating that, but I thought that was charming the way he said it. Some people, when they want to start tithing, this is, I mean, this is how it works. If you're very wealthy and you, you're thinking about tithing, 10% of, of all your income, and is it gross or net, before, after taxes, before, after expenses, you decide. But if they think that if, it's, if, you're, if your income is very high, 10% is a really big check. And so people will shudder. If you're very poor, 10% looks like a lot of the little that you have. So everybody balks. And this is where this man's saying, you should be nervous. It should be an act of faith. You should feel, I'm giving back to my source because I would have nothing without my source. And, and a refined person is grateful and expresses their gratitude. Consider it. It's actually, it's a, it's a wonderful way to start the flow because you don't have to make a lot of decisions. Just decide who people tithed personally to Swamiji. A lot of people did because they, they didn't think of Ananda as the organization. They just thought of him personally or they, per, they tithed personally to some other teacher or mentor who they, they thought inspired them. Um, they, you tithe to an organization, to a church. But, but think about it. Where, what uplifts my consciousness? Where does my inspiration come from? I mean, bet best if you're talking about a divine source, but whatever strikes you in that light, and then the money flows. Then you're using it for good, at least the 10% of it automatically. So, wealth, if it comes to you, should be treated as a sacred trust. It is not really yours, even if you've worked hard to acquire it. Karma, again, it will be good karma, only if you use it rightly, has given you riches as a means of helping other people. Use your wealth to make this a better world. Otherwise, riches will only suffocate your finer feelings. If they make you feel superior to others, they are a delusion. Treat all human beings as your equals. Remember, a person may be poor financially, but rich in ways that preclude the possession of money. Appreciate others for what they are. God bless you, my friends. 
Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support ASHA, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.